Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast, CBS Sports Daily NFL Podcast. I'm Will Brinson. I'm your host. It is Wednesday, June 16th. On this episode, we're going to cover some more mini-camp news. We did the same thing yesterday, but there's lots of stuff happening. Uh, so we'll be talking about various players, happen, like things that are going on around the league, holdouts, uh, maybe a young quarterback struggling, and what it means for that team's AFC playoff hopes. If you're watching on YouTube, do us a favor. Smash the like button. I know it seems weird that that matters a lot, but it does. A bunch of likes help us. So do that, please. And uh, while you're doing stuff, maybe you, you like sports. Saturday on CBS, an afternoon of sports begins at 1 Eastern, and it is jam-packed, starting with the Bill Pickett Invitational Rodeo Showdown, followed by WNBA Summer Hoops at 4 p.m. Eastern, head to the field for the NWSL, and then in primetime at 8 Eastern, the green flag is out for Superstar Saturday night as race number two of the Camping World SRX Series kicks off on the dirt track at Knoxville Fairgrounds in Iowa. A jam-packed Saturday of sports Saturday on CBS. Joining me now to talk mini camp and and uh, I'm sure a fan of of all things radio, Cody Benjamin. What's up, buddy? Hey. I'm doing good. I, yeah, I thought we were gonna maybe spend a few minutes doing the. Ro- How much do you know about the rodeo? Um. Well, I mean, I, I live in the South, so I mean, I'm pretty familiar with. Okay, so you've been to some? I don't know if I've been to a rodeo. Surely I have. I've been to a cattle auction. <laughs> Did you end up winning anything? Yeah, one like five hundred bucks. I sold my cow. Uh, all right, I'm dead serious. We sold. We sold my dad. You, you, you're really serious. I'm dead serious. Yeah, we uh, yeah, my we raised cows as kids, and um, my and my dad was like, well, I was like, well, what are you doing? The cow gets older. He's like, well, you sell it for beef, and I was like, oh no, it's awful. He's like, but you get to keep the money. I was like, oh, sounds great. Oh like, man, do you do you remember the cow's name or anything? Of course, of course, I remember the cow's name. Uh, we only named the first one. Uh, because after that, it was like, maybe we shouldn't name these things since yeah. we're selling them for, you know, to be chopped up into a hamburger. Uh, but the first one, I was, a, I was a big Duke fan growing up. And the first one was named Billy McCaffrey. Because he was oh, a that's nice. Duke and you get it with the calf. So, you know, so Billy. Like good old Billy. Yeah, Billy. I used to, wow. have to walk up the hill every morning with a giant uh, baby bottle full of, uh, full of formula milk. And feed it to Billy McCaffrey every morning before school. Real charmed life. Oh my gosh. Real I can't believe it. Yeah, I feel like I know so much more about you, like just from these 30 seconds. Right? Wow. Yeah. People are always surprised to hear that. Uh, He's like a homegrown American boy. That's right. Blue collar, salt of the earth man. Uh, then I would go jump in the swimming pool we had on our farm. So, yeah. um, Sweet. Yeah. 
I, it was a, it was a, we did, we do have a pool there, but it's a very small pool. Pond too. Pond's probably better for, that's best case shack joke. Anyway, moving on. Tua Tagovailoa. Oh boy. So, you know, Cody, we don't want to read too much into, uh, you know, things that happened in off-season activities. You can't, you can't just, you can't decide how the season's going to go based on how somebody performs in a mini camp. But man, was to a bad. He threw four interceptions. Actually, it was technically five. Got up to five. Uh, for uh, according to Adam Beasley, our pal, friend of the show, um, who said that he eventually threw five. He did, you know, he, he basically, uh, you know, ran through him. He's like, uh oh, another pick and another pick and another pick. Uh, it was raining a lot, and Beasley did later on uh, talk to Tua and. Um, we noted one that two has settled down and uh, it looked a little bit better. It had some solid, quote, solid intermediate throws. And then after the practice said that the emphasis was throwing the ball downfield and into tight windows, which was the explanation for the picks. Jacoby Brissett also had a pair. How concerning is it for you that Tua threw five picks on his first day at Dolphins minicamp this offseason? I mean, first of all, yeah, you got to include the context of the weather. I mean, I think some guys were describing it as, as a monsoon. I mean, to me, that doesn't sound like a light rain. And, and also, yeah, I mean, for me, I think it's it's one thing to be concerned about Tua Tungavailoa's development, whether he's the guy from Miami. And it's another thing to say that, you know, one practice at minicamp. I mean, us talking about it, there's no, I mean, this is what we're supposed to be talking about right now. I mean, you go out and you perform and we're not talking about it. But. Um, I struggled to, to take one uh, session of throws at, at a practice in June and say that, you know, just the same way that you're not going to take the sample size of Tua's rookie season and say he's not a good quarterback. I mean, I, I personally, I fall in the camp where I'm not necessarily sold on Tua, but I'm not, you know, this doesn't really sway my opinion one way or another. I mean, I'm, I'm really not moved by it at all. And so I, I actually... In preparation for this conversation, I looked up quarterback minicamp struggles in, in, in several different seasons just to see, like, who, who have we been talking about before about this? Well, um, and well, so, you tell. <laughs> well, yeah, this is very like anecdotal stuff here. This isn't, uh, it's not like evidence as to, but whatever. So, one of them, 2017, was Carson Wentz. He looked oh. very shaky. He looked very shaky in minicamp. And uh, I think he turned it on a little bit in training camp. But if you remember, that was his best season. Um, Jimmy Garoppolo in 2018. Uh, that was the season where he ended up, I think, blowing out his, his knee. But two years later, he's in the Super Bowl with the 49ers. Um, you know, you've got some Josh Rosens thrown in there where that never really worked out. So I, I think there's a mixed bag. I remember going to Vikings training camp once, watching Kirk Cousins go like one for 10 in the red zone, throwing multiple picks. And he's done nothing but good things for Minnesota, at least statistically. I just think uh, is it concerning? Yeah, you don't want to be throwing five picks, but does it make or break move the needle any in any way? I don't think unless he he stacks days on top of days like this. I also want to say I could be wrong here, but I want to say that um, Aaron Rodgers was maybe not that good in Packers minicamp when he was replacing Brett Favre, and that worked out fine too. I could be wrong. Anyway, there were there was certainly controversy about Rodgers and whether or not in. in of course, Jordan Love now struggling as well. I agree with you. I think it is probably overblown from the perspective of does this actually tell us anything about Tua? And you know, the, no. Yeah. I mean, right. how can it? I, I mean, we're like, why do we put 
we have to talk about it again. This is this is our jobs. Like we're supposed to. It'd be it'd be another thing if he threw if he went ten for ten and we're talking about wow he looks really sharp. But like they're they're in shorts. They're like it's June. I mean, if it's September and it's October and they're going up against the Patriots and it's the fourth quarter, like we can evaluate what he does then. Um, this is just this is a different a different kind of conversation. Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, look, like don't don't get wrong. I, mean, I do think that you know there's uh there is something to take away from it. I mean, you know, the coaching staff is is doing this for a reason. They want to see whether or not Tua is, you know, how he can perform in these in these circumstances, and and that matters. I mean, not playing well in minicamp is a problem. You know, throwing picks on seven on sevens is not good. You don't want to be throwing picks. You want to be doing your job better. But if the emphasis is on throwing downfield and throwing into tight windows, and it's pouring down rain, and you know it's the first day of minicamp, and you're going up against a pretty good defense, I'm not going to freak out about it too much. Now, if he continues to do this over and over and over and over again, and he struggles and he can't get it together, and he keeps throwing interceptions on you know on seven on sevens, and then it's it's going to become a theme. But I I would anticipate that it is the number the if it's like two interceptions, it's not a big deal. The five is probably yeah. what what really stood out to people, I think. And but certainly, here's the other thing too. When you have a guy like a Tua, see people don't want people have there are out on Tua. Everybody's exactly. out on Tua. That's the thing. So people have already made up their minds. So a lot of times these training camp and these mini camp and these offseason OTA performances sort of serve as confirmation bias for us. You know, if like exactly. a young player that we believe is going to have a breakout season is playing really well, uh, then we're going to be like, oh, well, I told you this guy's coming. It's all coming together for him. And if a guy that everybody's sort of out on it that wants to believe is not going to have a good season or not have a good second season, is it playing well? Then people are going to be like, oh, there it is. Tua sucks. Do like we said. And it doesn't help. Again, we talked about this a lot this you know throughout the last year, but it doesn't help that Justin Herbert has had an incredible rookie season. That that puts a lot more pressure on Tua and Joe Burrow played well also. So I think, I think it's 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 certainly it's going to be overblown. It's somewhere in the middle in terms of uh, how how much we should you know take away from this. Yeah, how much do you want to bet last year if there was a full offseason program um, and Justin Herbert threw two or three picks in practice? I mean, the the Wolves would be out. I mean, right. because no one thought he should have been drafted that high. Whatever, whatever. And so, yeah, I mean, if Justin Herbert comes out this offseason and throws four picks. Maybe there's a few tweets about it, but like no one cares that much because he already proved himself on the field. Exactly. Tua still has to do that, and you know he he did in some ways. That, but again, yeah, the question's still out there. That's why that's why it's a conversation. Absolutely, and of course, you know maybe he would have thrown six picks if Xavier Howard had been there. Xavier Howard was not there. Uh, he is absent from OTAs for the Dolphins. Brian Flores. Uh, the head coach, of course, said X is a little bit of a unique situation. He was extended, and now we're talking about a potential renegotiation after one year. Those turn into longer conversations. We understand that. We've obviously had a lot of talks and conversations about that, and we'll continue to have those and keep them internal, but it's a very unique situation. And uh, Flores added, after one year, it's honestly something that hasn't been done before. Not saying we're drawing a line in the sand, but different players set the market every year. I, w I was thinking when I saw the Xavier Howard news pop up, uh, on my timeline on Twitter that, you know, I was like, didn't, uh, didn't they just sign him to a big contract? Cause he, he wants more money. You, you can't do that. Cody, if you signed the contract last year, you can't, it, it, that is right. They didn't sign. I mean, Flores just said it. I just read it. It just doesn't feel possible that a, that a, 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 a pro bowl caliber quarterback who, yes, 
as we can see, signed that contract, would come in and complain about his salary. You just signed the contract, bro. Yeah, I think, you know, our Joel Corey, who who contributes and, you know, you, you know, Mo, I mean, he, he's got a background in, in, you know, being an agent, doing the contract yeah, stuff. Former NFL agent, knows the contract yeah. very well. Yeah, Yeah, and he pointed out, you know, the Daniil Hunter situation in Minnesota. There was a, a lot of talk this offseason about is Daniil Hunter going to request a trade? He wants a new deal. He feels he's undervalued. And Joel Corey's point was, look, man, like you signed that deal. There, there are some players that have a legitimate gripe. But there, you, when you signed it, you should have been able to foretell that you were going to be underpaid at some point. And so, yeah, in Xavier Howard's case, I think it's a similar thing. Um, the thing with – I mean, they're paying both Byron Jones and Xavier Howard to be number one corners. That's where he's – I guess the beef is. He, he thinks he's undervalued. He had 10 picks. Byron Jones is not – he's never been a 10-pick kind of a guy. Um, but, yeah, they, I mean, Miami, they're in a tough spot here because – you can't necessarily renegotiate that. That's that's a team friendly deal at this point. And so, the interesting thing though is uh, in in that Miami Herald report about this, they said that Xavier um, Howard's agent had already talked to the Dolphins as far back as last October about his client being okay with a trade. He wasn't outright requesting one, but he was okay with it. And so, you're talking about going into this season. I, I don't know that Xavier Howard is that committed to Miami. He just wants to be paid wherever he's at. Yeah, and so a couple of things on this. You know, you mentioned Byron Jones. Byron Jones makes more money per year. Uh, when you look at the full the cornerback contract, the list of cornerback contract, he makes more per year than Xavier Howard does. And uh, you know, he signed. So it's interesting. He actually signed the contract in May of 2019. I knew I knew it was a little bit longer, but as you can see from the thing that Debo has up on the screen, which is uh, if you're watching YouTube.com/slash/pick6, you can watch. You can see all the fancy uh, graphics that Debo weaves into this program um, or screenshots, whatever you want to call them. It, the 2019 season was his final year of his rookie deal. And right. so 2020 is when his extension kicked in. That's a bit of a tricky situation too, because you, if you're, if you're Byron Jones, excuse me, if you're Xavier Howard, you like signing in May of 2019 because you've just locked, you've just gotten yourself a ton of money and you've locked yourself into a contract that starts a year, a year afterwards. But the problem is now as, which is what Brian Flores points out. Now there are guys who are changing the market and changing how much, you know, cornerbacks are worth. And Xavier Howard is now Xavier Howard, arguably the best cornerback in football or one of the best cornerbacks in football. He's making $15 million. Jalen Ramsey makes 20 million a year. Marlon Humphrey, 19, five Tredavious white, 17, Two five, you know, Darius Slay is up there at sixteen point six, and then Byron Jones at sixteen five. I would guess that Xavier Howard believes he should be paid like a top three cornerback at minimum, and that's why he wants to renegotiate. But I'm, I'm, I'm with Brian Flores here. I mean, you know, you could try. It's a unique situation. Sure, you want to get in that money, but you get in that money, then Byron Jones wants to get paid more. I mean, the reality is, Byron Jones became a free agent and signed with the Dolphins, and that's why he's making more than Xavier Howard, who signed when he still had a year left on his rookie deal and wanted to get paid before something bad happened to either his uh, performance or his or his physical body. And so he just signed the deal. Signed- yeah, this, isn't, this isn't a Stephon Gilmore situation where he's now played out a five-year deal, and he's, he's coming up on free agency, and he is very much below market. I mean, I look at that, and I see – if you look at the top cornerback salaries, what I see is – Byron Jones is overpaid, but Xavier Howard is probably right where he should be. I mean, he, you could argue that he, he deserves to be 
top three or four. Um, but look, you you just like you said, that's part of the negotiation process. I mean, we're not talking about four years ago signing an extension and now you're you're about to hit the market and you're severely underpaid. We're talking about you're one year into the extension that your agent negotiated for you. And again, I mean, we, we go back and forth with contract stuff all the time, trying to see both sides. I mean, because most of the time, the teams get the benefit of the doubt when the players probably deserve more. In this case, this is one of those scenarios where your, your representation needs to see the value of a cornerback on the open market two years from now, which, I mean, a lot can change in two years, but you've got to be able to see that market, and, and they did. Yeah, and you know, look, <laughs> it's funny that you say that though, because they're seeing it now. Like the, you know, now now is what you're seeing it because what you see is a guy like James Bradbury, you know, uh, who's a very good player, but you know, he's is probably not as good as David Howard, and he's you know he's at fourteen five. Trey Wayne's fourteen million. Um, I see William Jackson on here at thirteen five million. Shaquille Griffin thirteen three three. Adoree Jackson thirteen million. All those players are in between Xavier Howard and Stephon Gilmore in terms of how much money they make. And the, the common thread with all those guys, they all became free agents because when you become a free agent, you are able to go out there and get more money. William Jackson too thirteen five with Washington. You know whether or not you think are whatever you think about you know these pl- those players they became free agents and that's how they were able to get more money if Xavier Howard had waited and played out his deal they would have tagged him I'm sure but he would have gotten to the market and he would have probably gotten a monster contract where he gets 17 5 or 18 or 19 million dollars a year uh, on the other hand Xavier Howard you signed that deal in pretty good time because you missed the whole pandemic uh, short squeeze on the on the salary cap and teams claiming they didn't have any money. So I don't know, man. Maybe this is a, a pretty good deal. I I don't I don't I don't like this idea of coming back and looking for more money when you're a top six paid cornerback um, and just basically because your teammate is getting more than you. I think it's a bad look by Xavier Howard. But if they're not going to find him and he can be away from minicamp, that's fine. It just I would say that not a great. You know, not a great set of news items for the Miami Dolphins if you're, a, you know, if you're, if you're expecting a big season for them. Uh, let's take a quick break, and we'll tell you about another superstar player in the secondary who is not showing up for his team's minicamp. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Jamal Adams traded for a pile of picks. And he is not showing up at Seahawks camp until he gets a contract. His absence is excused, according to uh, Brady Henderson, Jamal, uh, Jeremy Fowler, our old pal Jeremy Fowler, reports that Adams, uh, the Seahawks are aware of that there might be some family personal issues going on. So while Adams is not going to participate in the mini camp, it's excused. And I think both sides seem to understand that they're going to get there on the contract. It's just a matter of 
when, not if. Yeah, I think that there's been some speculation. And I mean, I don't want to speculate, I guess, about the personal issue, but there's been some some reports that it, it could be tied to the contract as well because Seattle knows this negotiation is ongoing. They're not trying to find him and, and rile up the negotiations in that right. way. Um, yeah, I think the expectation was probably that it would have been done by now. Um, it, you know, we talked about uh, with the Laramie Tunsil deal. There's other kind of precedents for uh, Trent Williams. When you when you make these trades and you give up so many picks, it, you're almost committing also to give them that big deal. And so the, the the issue with Jamal Adams, and again going back to Joel Corey here, he just wrote a big story about this. But sure, no, Joel's um, Yeah, he, he's on the the contract stuff, and you know Jamal Adams. There's talk that he wants to kind of I, I think the the terminology was blow the safety market out of the water, mm. and um, I mean, that makes sense because he was looking to become one of the NFL's highest paid players leaving the Jets. And so you look at the safety market, Justin Simmons is on top of that with about, I think, just over 15 million per year. That's not close to the top highest paid defensive players. I mean, you've got guys over 20 million. You've got Joey Bosa above 25 million. Um, I, I think that, you know, his best case scenario, and I don't know if this would be possible, but would be classifying himself as a linebacker. And he's used as a as a blitzer, as kind of a uh, you know a chess piece on Seattle's defense. But um, I guess the question is really like from Seattle's perspective: is it is it worth? I mean, it you it almost has to be worth it because you gave up those picks. I mean, I I did a double take looking at the compensation. Oh, it's for that trade. I forgot. Like I complete. I can't believe I. I didn't uh how much they gave up for Jamal Adams. Yeah, I mean, I just in today's NFL, it, it's just uh, it's absurd. I guess two first round picks and what was it? Two firsts and a two firsts second? and seconds, right? Or two firsts and se- yeah, maybe two firsts and second. The um the problem here for him, for Jamal Adams, is as you and you point out correctly, the safety market. Justin Simmons at 15.25. And we've got this up on the screen again. Come watch on youtube.com slash pick six and uh, hit the hit the subscribe button. You'll get notified when we go live. Or, and, and the episodes are actually up earlier than uh, normal uh, than, than the audio version because of technical things and stuff. Uh, but when you look at the safety market, the only guy above 15 million is Justin Simmons. And he had to get multiple franchise tags and, and play great to get that. Uh, Buda Baker at 14.75, Eddie Jackson 14.6, Kevin Byard and a little fella named at uh, $14 million each along with Landon Collins. And there's a huge drop off there at the safety market, but that's the top end safeties are getting 14 million, 15 million a year. Jamal Adams, according, I saw a report. He wants to be paid like an edge rusher. Well, that ain't happening. Cause you look at the edge rushers and Debo, if you could do that little drop down and click on edge rusher there uh, and we'll, and we'll look at this, the edge rushers, uh, yeah, no, that means you're going to be the top safety is paid like Carl Lawson or Trey Hendrickson, basically. Um, in other words, you're paid like a top 15 or 20 edge rusher. And by the way, those guys just hit free agency. So, I mean, Daniel Hunter, like, does he think he's going to get more than Daniel Hunter? Cause that, that would be, that'd be tough. Maybe he will, but he's not getting $20 million to that be, would be nuts. it's just, yeah. They can't do that. Granted, he led the league and led the team in sacks, excuse me, with nine and a half last year. And so, you know, you can make the case that that's how he's used. But if he was planning on getting, I mean, this is why the Jets were willing to trade him, I would guess, is that they had had extensive talks with his, you know, his, uh, his representation. We're under the impression that Jamal Adams wants to be paid like a different position than the one that he plays, believes that he should be a $20 million guy. And if that's the case, this is going to be a difficult, difficult negotiation to pull off because, 
you know, there, there's only five edge rushers, Frank Clark, Demarcus Lawrence, Khalil Mack, Miles Garrett, and Joey Bosa, who make more than $20 million a year. I just can't see – I can't see a path to this. And even getting him in the 15 to 20 range is is difficult just because of, you know, it's like, look, dude, look what we gave up to get you. And, uh, you know, conversely – you know, he's like, look what you gave up to get me. You know, it's pretty clear that you value me. And if you just rent me for two years and let me walk, it's going to be a problem. I mean, I think it raises a more than anything. It raises an interesting philosophical question about like the idea of positionless football. And I know that that's been thrown around and sometimes it gets like you have an eye roll that accompanies it because, I mean, there are positions. And but I mean, the the, the value in terms of the trade compensation and the contract that's going to come. I mean, can you consider that Jamal Adams, I mean, in, in your mind, I mean, can you can you trade for a guy like Jamal Adams and then pay a guy like Jamal Adams because uh, you don't view him as a safety, but you just view him as a defensive talent? I mean, can he be I, I don't it's it's so tough to do that because we're in the mold of, of just thinking of these guys as I mean, we know he's not the greatest cover guy. We know he's more of a box safety, a box like a linebacker safety hybrid who can rush the passer. But is that is the philosophical um those those hurdles is that i mean can we clear those to to justify paying a guy 18 20 plus million dollars a year i, I don't I mean, know i mean i couldn't <laughs> so, like, if and, I were, and why is why is that because because of jamal adams as a prospect himself or no no and i really like jamal actually a friend of the podcast jamal adams he came on uh, at the super bowl he's great right. dude uh and you know very very open honest about what he wants and he you know he said you know he was very clear about his his situation with the jets uh i think he's a great player i just don't know that he's a guy that puts your team over the top in a way that some of those defensive guys that we were talking about uh do you know just because you are lining up at safety and yes he can he can rush the passer and he can do all kinds of different things uh very very unique player very awesome player but i just don't know that i'm getting to 20 million dollars if i'm the seahawks and I don't know that he's going to be willing to take less than $20 million. I think ultimately he's probably going to, if he wants to get that deal in Seattle, uh, he's probably got to settle for something like 16 million. I mean, they'll make him the highest paid safety. I don't have a problem with that. I just don't know right. that I can give him to 20, 25 million. That, that's just too much. For no. Me. Yeah. I think that's where the middle ground has to be. If it's going to be in Seattle is right above Justin Simmons. And he gets to say I'm the highest paid safety, but he's not going to be in that upper echelon. Um, and yeah. one, one final Joe Corey pool for you. Um, I know he said that Seattle doesn't traditionally negotiate with guys unless they show up. And so you remember Cam Chancellor holding out. Uh, there's mm -hmm. some other guys. And so, yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting to see if he shows up for training camp. Yeah, that's sort of a Pete Carroll uh, philosophical thing, I think, where it's like, look, you know, you want us to negotiate in good faith. You have to be here practicing in good faith. And I, yeah, that's tough, too, because you don't want to go, you don't show up and get hurt and, you know, and all of that. But uh, this may explain, too, why, and we don't want to suggest that, but they gave two first and a third, and uh, they sent a player back. I can't remember who it was, but but this Bradley this, McDougal. There you go, Bradley McDougal. This, um, you know, it's possible. I don't want to suggest that he's not being forthright about his excused absence because he is excused. You know, that's what they said. Uh, but you know, if it's if it is contract related, you wouldn't want to just hold out and be an unexcused absence because then Seattle might not negotiate with you. Finally, in terms of oh, training camp news. We have the Chicago Bears, an update that will please John Breach, no doubt, 
Chicago's Bear, Chicago Bears. This is a good catch from Daniel Greenberg at Chicago Sports Updates. Uh, he was listening to the Chris Collinsworth podcast featuring Richard Sherman. Reminder that podcast less popular than our podcast in Australia, for those that were wondering. Uh, and Matt Nagy was on with Chris Collinsworth and said that there is no possible scenario where Justin Fields is the starting quarterback for the Chicago Bears in week one. Nagy, Andy Dalton is our starter. Justin is our number two, and we are going to stick with this plan. You just got to trust the plan. Buy or sell, Cody, that there is no possible scenario where if Justin Fields starts week one. I'm, I'm interested that you posed it that way because I thought we were just going to rip into the Bears. Um, I, I let me just compare this first to another team. What's that? You can rip into the Bears if you want. <laughs> well, let me just, yeah, let's start by just comparing this to another team that's been a high pick on a quarterback uh, this offseason. The San Francisco 49ers drafted oh. Trey Lance, who I think was widely considered maybe more of a raw prospect than Justin Fields. Their incumbent starter, Jimmy Garoppolo, has a Super Bowl appearance under his belt. He's performed pretty well uh, under Kyle Shanahan. I think we can both agree that Jimmy Garoppolo's ceiling or at least his production as a high-level quarterback has been – I mean, you, you would agree with, with me, right, that he's he's higher than Andy Dalton on oh, the totem yeah, pole? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. For, for sure, way higher. Jimmy, now you, Andy Dalton's never even won a playoff game. Now you've got two years removed from a Super Bowl with Jimmy Garoppolo as, as your quarterback. You've got the Niners saying, Trey Lance, you can come and take Jimmy's job. Yep. If you're good enough this summer – you can take this guy who took us to the Super Bowl, you can take his job, and you can start week one as a 21-year-old rookie. On the other hand, we've got the Chicago Bears, who decided to sign Andy Dalton, decided to tweet out the QB1 picture with Andy Dalton, decided to call Andy Dalton and uh, assure him over and over again he's the starter. And now you've got Justin Fields. We haven't even set foot in training camp, and these guys are insisting that there's no scenario where Justin Fields starts. Now, I think there's two reasons for that. One reason could be the Bears um, want to keep doubling down on this decision to sign Andy Dalton and look like they really were committed to him. The other option is Justin Fields just isn't as good as we thought he was, and some teams were right for passing on him. You tell me, based off the Bears' history, this current regime, which option you think that is. I mean, I, I think it's pretty clear they're just doubling down, and <laughs> that's what it is. So there, I'm trying to find. It's impossible to find because now you know, the the news um, is too difficult because the like the, the Andy Dalton stuff is taking it over. But they basically did this exact same thing with Mike Glennon and and Mitchell Trubisky. And what I, wasted four weeks? Yes, and and look, I, Mike Glennon is my boy. I mean, but and and if, if and I, I'm fine. Well, first of all, it's different because Mike Mike got you know, a big contract from the bears. And it was, they were, they were trying, they were acting like he was their guy for the long haul. And then they went and drafted Trubisky. Um, the, the, the key, the, the thing is that if you shouldn't not start the rookie, just because he's a rookie and you want to give him time to learn. If you have a, you know, if you have a plan, if you believe philosophically that that is how these guys are supposed to sort of work their way into the season, then that's okay. Because I do think Kyle Shanahan has some of that too, but if you, go but we're there, not even in training camp yet. Like right. We haven't even seen yeah. the guy compete. Right. Exactly. Look, first of all, there is a scenario where Justin Fields starts week one. Andy Dalton breaks his leg. Justin Fields is starting week one. I mean, I guess Nick Foles could still start. But you know, the, the point being is that there is absolutely a scenario, and there are probably multiple scenarios. It's not like 
the friggin' Avengers Endgame where there's you know one path to save the world. There's a billion of different chance like things that can happen where Justin Fields starts Week One for the Chicago Bears. It's not that like big of a stretch, and it's idiotic to to you know shoehorn yourself into this setup where you you know you're telling everyone, oh, we can't start Justin Fields, can't start Justin Fields. Yes, you can. If Andy Dalton sucks and Justin Fields looks like he's going to be a good quarterback from Jump Street, you start Justin Fields. I think that they like the idea of having Justin Fields as a parachute or, or, or yeah, parachute in the midseason where not to save the Bears season, but to in order to like if the Bears are stinky, if the Bears stink and the team's not very good and they're not winning games, you pull the ripcord and Justin Fields is suddenly in there and you go to your owner, you go to your bosses and say, hey, look, like, you know, we're remember we drafted this guy. So we got we to see what we got in him. And we're, you know, we're, we're coming along nicely. I think that's what they're doing, which is basically like laying up. You know, that it, it is soft and it's scared. It's like it's we talked before. I mean, I've been on here before with you and talked about the difference between when they did sign Andy Dalton, how it was almost like they're trying to bunt instead of swing for a home run, which they needed to do. They took the home run with Justin Fields. But now it's almost like like you're saying they're using it as, as a safe play. Um, it's all, like tell me if I'm exaggerating here, but I feel like the longer the offseason goes on, the more I, I'm like questioning the Justin Fields pick just because it was the bears that did it and because oh, of the yeah. way they've operated. I mean, and that's nothing against like, uh, I'm sure I hope for Justin Fields sake or for Andy Dalton's sake that these guys go out and perform, but like, it's just like the way this, this whole operation has gone is just well, like, why are they making it so hard on themselves? It just seems yeah. it's baffling a little bit. All right. July 26, 2017, Ryan Pace Colin Mike Glennon is our starting quarterback. It is a weird thing to do in the, in the offseason. That's the start of training camp. So it gets a little bit different, but we're, you know, we're a month away, basically. You know, so it's just a weird thing to do to, to box yourself into a corner like that with a stance on your quarterbacks without having actually seen them participate, you know? Yeah, and it's like you said, it's one thing to like believe that Justin Fields would be better off by sitting and learning for a little bit. It's another thing to say over and over, because this isn't the first time we've heard the Bears come out publicly and remind everyone that like Andy Dalton, it was as if they signed this guy to a four-year, $90 million contract. But the way they've talked about it repeatedly, and it's like they won't even leave the crack open like the 49ers will do for Trey Lance, which is just maybe that'll change in training camp if they, you know somebody like in the Bears staff says, wait a second, this guy looks like he might be a good quarterback. <laughs> maybe he could help us win. I, I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. Anyway, it's just it's just idiotic. It's it's stupid. They did the same thing before, and they're doing the same thing now. And it drives me nuts. And bear, bears gonna bears. The uh, quickly other things of note: the Vikings added Sheldon Richardson. He signed a one year deal, I believe. And um, he was asking, he's like got kind of mad. I think he was asking, if it was like it was a prove it deal. He's like, I don't need to prove anything. It's like, oh, okay, yeah, sorry, buddy. Uh, he's like, I proved it last year. I proved it before. I proved it all over this league. It's like, oh, whoa, 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 just settle down. I like the move. Business. I like the move though. Yeah, it's a good move. Good move for the Vikings. I, I'm starting to come around to the Vikings uh, bouncing back this season and, and looking pretty good. Makai Becton not practicing for the Jet with the Jets due to a foot injury. That is a big, big deal if he is for some reason not healthy to start the season. Long way off, of course, uh, but and certainly smart to not have him out there practicing. He is a key piece to their offense and a key piece of Zach Wilson's development. And the Chiefs also plan to use Chris Jones as an edge rusher to shake things up. Uh, do, do you find that funny that they would do that after they signed him to a contract? Um, I think they're doing it because they have no one else to rush the passer. Um, so there's your there's your answer to that. 
I think that is correct. All right, that is the show. Cody, thanks as always, buddy. We will uh, talk to you soon. Thanks for having me on. Hey, everyone. This is Jimmy Conrad, your favorite former U.S. men's national team player and the host of the Call It What You Want podcast. And I'm here to tell you that Viore is a versatile clothing brand that speaks my language. It's inspired from the coastal California lifestyle, just like me. Its products stand the test of time, just like me. And also, just like me, it endeavors to inspire others to live vibrant, healthy lives. Viore gear is designed to look great in everyday life, while also being perfect for any workout activity. I'm currently rocking the men's Sunday performance jogger. And don't let the name deceive you. You can wear these babies any day of the week and in any situation. I'm talking going to the office, running errands, the gym, whatever your heart desires, because Viore is an investment in your happiness. For our listeners, they are offering 20% off your first purchase. So get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet at viore.com sports. That's V-U-O-R-I dot sports. Not only will you receive 20% off your first purchase, but enjoy free shipping on any U.S. orders over $75 and free returns. Again, go to viore.com sports and discover the versatility of Viore clothing.